Seminar with Adam Arn. Welcome to 3PNR. I'm your host, Adam R. And with me on this episode is Dr. Michael LaRusso. Michael, how you doing, sir? Pretty good tonight. Good, good. Glad to have you on. Glad to have your time. Uh, let's, Thank you. Let's start with what put you on the path for uh, cryptozoology. Well, I was always interested in it as a child. Uh, I guess back in the 70s, the early 70s, I had first saw the Patterson-Gimlin film on uh, In Search of, of Leonard Nimoy. That's how old it was. And uh because I'm 60 now, so it's been a while, and I got a heavy interest in it. But then when I was forced into uh, retirement due to illness, I decided to go to school and get a doctorate of cryptozoology degree, and I did that online. And the main interest that I had in it was getting my grandchildren, who I now have, off of the video games, off the computers, and outside. Perfect. Needed, too. Yeah. What a, what a what a great subject, cryptozoology. It's an interesting one. Yes, it is. You know, uh, there's stigmas all over it, and uh, yeah. And I so I guess I'll start with this. Um, if you look at like the mountain gorillas, they weren't really proven real. I, I have it written down. I think it was like nineteen, yeah, nineteen oh two, discovered yes. by by German um by by a German officer actually. It, the the people of the Congo said they existed the people that live there. But um, the white men didn't believe it until two two British guys actually killed one and brought one back. Well, that you know, even like regular gorillas were considered a myth till like 1847 yeah. until, you know, Westerners went out there and started doing expeditions, and that's how they found them. And that was a myth. Yeah, uh, this to- happened with a lot of things. The coelocanthus in Madagascar, the people were eating it as a, as a piece of fish to eat, but until... Um, you know, somebody from the scientific community got one and brought it back. Nobody believed that existed either. Yep. The, gi- the giant squid. Sailors who spend their lives at sea believed in the giant squid, the kraken, so to speak. But um, nobody else did. These guys live out there. Nobody believed them until we finally had a giant squid wash ashore dead. And now the scientific community now believes in it. Yeah. My, my favorite is um, for a long time, sailors were claiming to see dragons and they were being ridiculed for for saying such yeah and it it turned out that they were you know they're sailors so they stop in different islands so they could you know eat and right it wasn't like you know today where we have uh, a, a fridge plentiful sure and it, it turns out they found komodo dragons and that they exactly were, they weren't proven real to 1910 that's pretty exactly. that's pretty recent uh, yes and the billy ape one of our newest finds is just within the last 10 years the billy ape was discovered i'm not familiar with that one uh, you have to look them up. Uh, the billy ape was, is a new form of, of ape. It's an ape species, but uh, it wasn't discovered until I think well, it was in the last within the last ten years or earlier than that. It's not. It's very recent that, that was discovered. So there there are large uh, animals and primates out there, but like you say, there's a lot of stigmatism attached to it. Like when people ask me what I do, um, the easiest way to say it is I hunt Bigfoot, and right away they they ridicule. You know, they, the jokes come out. Yeah, but. That's the easiest way to say it. But actually, a cryptozoologist is trying to identify animals yet identified right. because it, it's a big earth out there and it's a big ocean. And and we believe that there are species out there God put here that we ain't found yet. And to think that we have found everything is arrogance. Well, yeah, I mean, here, the only the only pushback with Bigfoot 
It's because, you know, we have modern science, we have IR cameras, we have drones. Um, people seem to forget, and even me, I'm guilty of this myself. When I first started getting involved with this, I'm like, there's no way. I think we would have found this by now. But when you look at the vastness of the woods in North America. 740 million acres. Yeah. And, and don't forget, you have a canopy. So it's not exactly easy to see things even with a drone. Unless you're going to fly, you know, among the trees and get down there in the brush with the drone, which you're probably going to lose it if you do that, because I've had experience with that, believe me. Um, you just can't see through the canopy. Um, now, with, with infrared, we're making some progress. Now, we do have some in, in very interesting infrared photographs that have been taken of something that we don't know what it is because it's in, only an infrared image. But we definitely know it's large and it walks bipedal. So Yeah. So... The big problem is these networks, uh, they, they make these quote unquote documentaries and you know, we, we know what that is. I mean, it's, it's, it's to sensationalize. They want to cat and I respect that, I guess, you know, it's, it's, there are some good ones. There are some good ones that come out, uh, but there's so many Bigfoot right now is such a popular subject that, uh, everybody's just throwing everything out there and there's so much misinformation being get cast out there. And then you have people that are so misinformed. They say, well, with trail cams, how come we haven't seen one yet? Well, if you've ever been deer hunting, a trail cam only covers maybe in thick woods, maybe 12 to 20 feet. And you know, that's not really a lot of area. If you consider the amount of forest land, that's just in North America and I'm not even counting uh, Alaska yet, you know? Yeah, and you're also talking about creatures that have binocular vision like ours. So they would be observant. They would notice something abnormal in the area, I, I would yeah, imagine. And if, and if they are intelligent, which is the school I, I, I subscribe to, that they are very intelligent, more human than ape, that if they want to avoid us, they definitely can. Because, uh, uh, like I said, I subscribe to this school that they are very, very intelligent, more human than ape, you know, maybe kind of like a missing link. Yeah, I mean, and, you, you consider like Gigantopithecus, I believe I'm saying that right? Yeah, Gigantopithecus is, uh, I, I don't know, because we don't, we, we don't have a Gigantopithecus to study, I don't know if they were as intelligent as today's Bigfoot might have been. Right. But they, they certainly weren't intelligent, hey, you know, by, by all means, but I don't know if they were intelligent as what, what, I, what I would say today's Bigfoot are. And I don't proclaim that Bigfoot does exist, but I won't say he doesn't exist either. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm not going to say I don't believe um, cause I've never gone out there myself. I think it's irresponsible to sit back and say, well, it's fake without, yes. without putting the legwork in to find out. And- well, I'll put it this way. Do I believe that he could exist? Absolutely. Absolutely. A creature like this could exist in today's, um, forest lands. It's no doubt, no doubt in my mind. I mean, we just have, when you consider China and, and Asia with the Yeti and the Yaren, you know, in Australia with the Outback and the Yowie, there's just so many places that we haven't, the man hasn't even tried yet, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, we're still finding uh, tribes of humans that, yes, we're, that are unknown to us. So, that, for instance, South America, it is believed that, it, that right now there are, there is like 12 or more unexisting tribes that we haven't discovered yet. Yeah. And the rules are we're not, to, we're not to engage with them. We're supposed, right. to, we're supposed to stand off, which, yeah. as we should, because... I'm sure you might have seen the humorous footage where the helicopter is getting spears thrown at it. Yeah, I did see that, land. actually. <laughs> I did see that. It's pretty funny. They see that helicopter, and they're throwing spears and shooting arrows at it. And I mean, undoubtedly, they're seeing planes in the air, uh, but that, you know... They're now, probably scared shitless of those. Oh, sorry, probably scared of those, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, 
Uh, by the way, speak freely. Don't worry. There's no sense. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, I was, was going to yeah. say, sorry about the language, but no, no, uh, no yeah. No. I imagine that when they see them, they're probably scared, or they think they're some type of god or giant bird. Exactly. Because if you look something. at primitive man, uh, we only describe things to the best of what we knew. Right. So it's not impossible to see these things, and to them, it's it's, oh, it's a dra- see that metal I, I dragon. I get back to my point about sailors being at sea and seeing sure, things sure. that nobody believed, and the Congo and the Congolese people living in the Congo and knowing about the mountain gorilla, but nobody believing them. Um, once again, our Native Americans tell us that Bigfoot absolutely exists, and they've been in this country a lot longer than we have. And in in their legends and and lore, I, I wouldn't even say legends in their in in their oral history, Bigfoot exists. I mean, you know, there isn't a tribe out there that doesn't have a name for a bipedal hairy man. Yeah. Also consider this. The Native Americans were hunter gatherers. So when food was not plentiful where they were, they had to go into the woods and search. Exactly. And so, I mean, they spent a lot more time in them than we do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and when you're a hunter gatherer, you, you, you have to utilize stealth. So they're moving around out there very quietly. So if a larger creature's there, it would be almost unaware of their presence. Sure. And with today's modern equipment, it's almost impossible to be completely stealthy. I mean, we set up tents and we go out there with nobody. We don't want to sleep in the rain, you know, like they did. We, yeah. we, we yeah, carry tents in and our we cell phones. And, and, yeah. And we're doing all <laughs> kind of activities and stuff using our equipment. And they didn't have that. So they were pretty much like they a part of the forest, whereas we are an intruder in the forest. When right. We go in. And, and yeah, we're not exactly subtle. Uh, so. <laughs> That's no, why. as much as we try to be now, myself, uh, I'm a Marine Corps veteran, so and I was infantry, so I did have a lot of training as far as being stealth in the woods. But it's just that you're you're not part of the woods as, as a Native American would have been in in their in the earlier years, right? You know, it's if you look at the fossil record for the size of things. So here's what I've learned: I've learned that a long time ago, the oxygen was greater on Earth, so creatures would get larger. Yeah, and now I also learned too how many creatures during the ice age had frozen in a state and thawed. Yeah, and it, you know, so it's there's this one. All right, so here's an example in the fossil record, uh, the unicorn, which I thought this was crazy when I read it, but somewhere in I want to say this was Kazakhstan, they found the remains of a. Uh, they call this thing. I want to say, I don't. It looks like uh, like a Berean. Uh, unicorn or something of a unicorn anyway it's Uh a mammal with a large horn on its head and it's real it's probably more closely related to uh the rhinoceros maybe right right but again it's a large and it it, and the and the carbon dating speaks to twenty nine thousand years ago that's yeah that's not that's not you know considering the the test of time that's not a long period of time right and there's been many species that we thought were extinct that that aren't oh especially especially in the oceans yeah Especially, we know more about Mars than we do about the ocean. So exactly, that's where, like the coelacanth, like I said, for it was a fossil. It was nothing but a fossil until until somebody was at a fish market in Madagascar and found one laying in a in, in a bin. Yeah, I mean, look look at the scientists that were ridiculed and bullied because they they were speaking about the duckbill platypus, but that turned out to be real. And that was a for for a very long time. Yeah. That was a and try myth. to describe that to somebody without them thinking you're not a coot. Exactly. You're talking a beaver with a duck's bill that yeah. has hooked feet and not only that, it's poisonous and right. lays eggs. So right. it now sounds that, crazy. That, that definitely sounds like something from myth or out of the cartoon network, you know. It, it's it's bizarre, but it exists. If and I were to describe that to somebody that didn't know what that was currently, they would think I'm insane. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It, yeah. 
So you even try to describe in a platypus to somebody that lives in Nepal or something, you know? Right. Yeah. They would probably think you're nuts. Speaking of which, Nepal's another place where where just like our Native Americans, where the, the Nepalese, they they believe that there's yetis, you know, it, it exists to them. It doesn't not exist. It's not a myth or, or, or anything. It does exist to them. And these people live there. So it's until until a white guy shoots one and brings it back, they're not going to believe. It. Yeah, that's the unfortunate that, that's part. That's pretty much how it goes. And I'm going to and I'll and I'll be I'll be honest, man. In the beginning of all this, that was my attitude. If it's not dead on a table or in a cage, I, I don't know. If right. I could, you know what? As I've been doing a podcast and I interview people and I read more, my my train of thought starts to evolve because now, I, w- I want to make it clear to you that um, we don't believe in harming any cryptids at all in order to prove their existence. As you shouldn't, because what yeah, if you shot the last one? <laughs> obviously, obviously, if they're cryptids, there's not many of them because they wouldn't be so cryptic if there was. And we don't want to contribute to the extinction of them. So I want to make it clear that in Krypton Hunters North America, which is my organization, that we're strongly against killing an animal to prove its existence. I think, sadly, when when and if Bigfoot gets proven, it's it will be a dead one. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. Because but uh, it won't come from my gun. I, I I understand that, but you got to understand that there, there's a tremendous well, amount of like. I don't know how friendly they might be if I got close well, to them. Yeah, so you would have. I can't to. say I wouldn't shoot. Yeah, you would have to. Self preservation turns turns uh, tends to make you think a little differently. Yeah, if you're in the heat of the moment, of course. Like you know, yeah. you'd have and, to. And I think them. just the the fear of being up close and personal with one of them would probably even somebody like me who who goes out of his way to get up close and personal with them. Uh, when I hear when I run toward them, not away from them, I hear weird noises in the woods. I run toward it, not away. Um, I don't know exactly if one was breathing down my neck, how I'd feel. You know, to the credit of a lot of hunters that witnessed this thing or or alleged witnessed it. Yes. None of them is fired. And it may now what you saying. There that are many sense. stories like that. Yeah. Yes. Well, it makes sense to me now by you saying that, because it tells me that they're seeing something flee from them. So there's no real instinct to shoot them. Yeah, and once they get them in the scope, some of them described them as too human, like to pull the trigger. Yeah, and and you know there are, you know, I think I don't recall exactly which states, but there are, are a couple of states that have protected the, the Bigfoot. Yeah, is, Oregon's one against the law to shoot him. Yeah, yeah, they. I, I read that states have passed laws where you can't <laughs> but, uh, harm a Bigfoot. I believe even Ohio has a has a Bigfoot law on the records about harming Bigfoot. It's scary to think that something we haven't proven existing yet has protection. Yet humans don't share that same. <laughs> we don't. Yeah, have, it's yeah. a, it's frightening. I, there, were, I guess there were some politicians out there that uh, feel that if it does exist, it shouldn't be hurt. You know. Yeah, I mean it. it it would, you know, lean towards science to say, please don't kill us. Try to preserve it. I, yeah. that's, that's how I'd want it. Especially if these things are, are a species of human. So I think, in my opinion, to, to actually track down Bigfoot, locate it, maybe capture it, or, or you know, if maybe we don't have to. Maybe we actually eventually figure out where they're going and we could yeah. observe it like the rest of National Geographic. But I think... We would have to, like, I don't know. That would be a, an enormous well, team. Well, with, today, with today's techniques... If you got good footage like the Patterson Gimlin film, um, and, and believe me, they've gone over that with a fine tube comb and can't prove that it's fake. I think if you had really good footage today and let and just put it out there for analysis, that, that you know you could prove that you know that this is an actual thing, uh, or close enough that it would be hard to disprove it. Wasn't there some guy that said he was the the Bigfoot in that video? Yeah, a guy. But the thing is, there was two two different guys came out and said, and then one guy said that he made a costume and. The, the technology at the time was was no better than Planet of the Apes, which was just a, a face and a hand and hands and feet, basically. 
uh, and the, the muscle tone, the muscle movement in there. And, th- and don't forget, this film has been critiqued over and over by experts in the field of, you know, of, of video, video, all of videology, whatever they call right. it. But they have gone over this over and over and they, they've determined muscle tone. You know, they've determined the proper movements, the, the proper foot placements. Uh, so it, it's probably one of the best films we ever had. And I, I had the pleasure of meeting Bob Gimlin and spending some time with him um, about two years ago. We celebrated his 88th birthday together. We flew him in. Uh, my, my organization, Krypton Hunters North America, we flew him in from Washington to speak at a conference in Ohio. That, and uh, Creature Weekend in Ohio, we flew him in to speak. And and I got, because I was the one that flew him in, I got to spend all the time with him. I was ate at his table and everything. And the man's incredible. He's really honest and down to earth. Uh, now, he, he is he the, he's the guy that recorded it. Liar. He's a re- yeah, he, well, he was the one with the gun and the, and the camera. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, not the camera with the gun. Oh, I see. Patterson I see. had the camera and ran after it. Bob Gimlin had the gun and, and backed him up. It's probably what I would have did. I would have ran after it. <laughs> yeah, Bob Gimlin is, is a down and out cowboy. He's a he's a purebred cowboy, like through and through, real real cowboy. You know, I would like to see a team assembled of, of like four, like expert trackers. But when I say a large team, it can't be like twenty guys. You're yeah, gonna the have- larger the team, the less your chances are of spotting. If you notice, many of your many of your sightings happen when people are alone in the woods. Why do you think that is? Just because of the awareness of them walking around? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't, I think sightings are chance encounters. I think the Bigfoot's heading one way, you're heading the other way, and whoops, uh oh, <laughs> oh, we just saw each other. I don't think. I think that if he knows you're there, he's gone. Okay, and then we also have the the theory of youth. Where you know when a, a lot of times in the spring you'll see stories of bears, right? Uh, male bear cubs in the city because they don't know where to go because bums kicking them out and they can't go to a territory that's run by another papa bear, so they're on the move all the time. And these juvenile bigfoots, the males, when they have to go find their own territory, they kind of uh, are curious and they go out and get get in trouble a little bit by by popping up where people are. Now these there's these people in these videos I see um, where they're banging on trees and they're yelling. Yeah, a lot of that stems from uh, just primate um, activity. That's what primates will do is they bang on trees. Uh, we observed this in the great apes, and they they're doing that in because they believe that Bigfoot is a great ape, and they're hoping that they get responses from that. Whether or not it works, not I don't know. I've banged on trees myself, right. and I've heard wood knocks back, but there's no way of knowing what was knocking back. It could have been another person that could hear my knocks. You know, I always, no, I, I always no had to prove what was knocking back at me. Whenever I watch that, I always have this thought in my head that Bigfoot somewhere in the woods are like, what are these crazy people doing? <laughs> yeah. Because if we are knocking, are we knocking correctly? Can he say, what the hell is that? That ain't, you know, the right signal. You know, it's like trying to do Morse code and you don't know, and you don't know it, you know, trying to send a signal on Morse code. If you just hit the button and make, and make a bunch of clicks and clacks, the guy on the other end doesn't know what the hell you're saying. Well, when you look at apes or gorillas, for uh, when you see gorillas communicate, and, and I don't mean when they're thumping chests and making sounds, that's that's an alpha thing. But when they're communicating, they're making eye contact and making small gestures, and they're relatively quiet. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do have a system of language, though. They do have they do have whoops and hoots and yeah, oohs, oohs, and oohs, and and you'll notice guys do those in the woods too. Uh, I'm guilty of it myself. I've made several Bigfoot noises in the woods. And I, I've heard responses, but, uh, you know, what was responding? I, I don't know. I couldn't see it. It was far away. 
you know, was it another Bigfoot hunter? Was it just some guy, some kids in the woods around a fire? You know, I mean, a lot of times you can tell a human when it's a human making the noises. That's sometimes it's painfully obvious. You know, Which makes me doing. think they could too if they're out there. And they're probably like, these people are nuts, man. Let's not buy, let's not mess with them. They're out here for yeah. they, they got weapons. I'm just I'm just trying to eat some fish. Right. Now I know they're the I don't know if you've heard of the Sierra tapes. These guys went so far back in the woods in the seventies that they had to take horses after for, for a while. First they took SUVs, then horses. Then they had to get off the horses and walk. They were so deep in the Sierra Nevada mountains that like nobody could be there. And they have these incredible uh, recordings that they, that they made. While they what were, year is this done in audio? Uh, it was in the seventies, sixties and seventies. And if you look up the Sierra, the Sierra recordings, I believe they're called, uh, you can listen to them online. They're, they're incredible. And, uh, and they're really unique. You can hear like almost a language. You can, you can hear communication between two strange creatures. You know, eventually I'm going to go do a documentary, right? I'm going to travel the country, all the big, it's going to be everywhere it stops, all the big ones, the UFOs, it goes, Bigfoot, all the big ones yeah. are going to do it, right? And I, you know, I've been thinking to myself, if I'm going to get Bigfoot footage, I'm going to need one. I, I It didn't dawn on me until I was watching a show called um, Survivor, Survivor Man. Uh-huh. And, yeah, um, Survivor Man, very good show. Yeah, yeah he you, goes he, out by himself. Yeah, he so, hold, he holds his own camera. There's no cameraman, no crew. Yeah, so based on what I saw from him, you could very easily get lost in, in woods, even near a city. You know, oh, you, yeah. you turn around really quick. So I would have to have experts, um, and I would for protection, obviously weapons. Yeah, but then oh it, yeah, it, fortunately it, I I know how to read a compass. So, yeah, I, and, I, and maps, which I which was a skill that Uncle Sam taught me. Yeah, so, I, uh, I'd have to. I, I, I seldom I get lost, but I can always find my way back. Yeah, I'd have to get I'd have to get savvy with that because I, I don't have a lot of that survival training, and that's yeah. why I would have to bring experts with me if I'm going to do this. If I go out in the woods, it's not going to be for a couple hours. I don't. I oh, I, no. I feel I'll fail. You, yeah, you're talking a week. You're going to be out there because you're going to go deep out there. Right. Satellite phones in case of emergencies. And I would want to really trace this thing down with some experts, not me. I'm yeah. not an expert. And even a week isn't really sometime long enough. I'll give you a example. The people in the Congo, whenever they were looking for the mountain gorilla, uh, they would say that, you know, these guys come and do an expedition for a couple of weeks and say that it does, that the mountain gorilla doesn't exist. We lived here all our lives. We're telling you it's there. You know, they said you can't come out here for a week and tell me it doesn't exist. That's true because when, you know, those gorillas they lived are all their lives and maybe saw it one time. Yeah, those gorillas are. It turns out those gorillas are sitting there staring at them the whole time, just right. just kind of like like uh, st- keeping pace with them at some distance. That's uh, yeah, that creeped me out when I read that. <laughs> well, when you read about people not knowing that, look how many deer hunters go deer hunting and don't see a deer. It's true. Two weeks in the woods, they don't see a deer. And we know there are thousands of deer out there. But I have many friends that come home skunked after two weeks of hunting. You know, they spend two weeks, you know, going out every single day. And then they don't, they say they never saw a buck the whole time they were out there. Yeah. The one thing I hear common from uh, hunters is that the, the most common creature they're coming across when they're like looking for deer or elk or whatever are, are boar. They find a lot of boar. Well, unfortunately, you know, the boars have been released into, into our wildlife here. Uh, from ranches and stuff. And they're actually a problem in many States. They're a problem in the country. I was reading about that. Yeah. In a lot of States, you can just shoot them randomly. They don't care. The, the game commission just allow you to kill as many as you want to eliminate them. You know, I hate to say it, indigenous. but it, it's kind of strange to me in a country where I think the, the, the hungry in America numbers in the 600,000 mark, some crazy number like that. Yeah. And then when you look at a population of wild boar, it's like the two to 2.5 million mark. 
Well, Texas and Louisiana, when you shoot them, you do give them, they do have food banks set up for you to bring them to. Yeah, you'd think that'd be everywhere. They, yeah, if, and if I you guess know, they're quite delicious. Here's an idea for a network. If you really want a good show, get a bunch of hunters, make it a competition, and they're out there knocking off these boar and they're feeding the homeless. Yeah. Well, I don't know why that's not being spoken about. Well, it, 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 like I said, it is being done in a way. There are Most of the time when, when they shoot these things, they do bring them places. Yeah. And they and they are they are set up to feed the hungry. Because uh, I guess the beach really good. I mean, it's pork, you know. It's, I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking. I'm gonna look deeper into that. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna start. Uh, I'm gonna corner some uh, some finance people and ask them like, hey, if you really want to bounce budgets, but that's a, that's another one. Yeah. Moving forward well, in the big, give me show, a call because I'd love to go out and shoot them. Yeah. Well, not a hunter, but I I would do it. In a we do have some here in Pennsylvania that have escaped from ranches. They they had um you know closed hunting ranches where you could pay to go hunt wild boar. And those fences don't keep them in, you know, right. they dig underneath them, they dig underneath them, they, bur- you know, they burrow around them, they get out. And now we have a thing in Pennsylvania where we can shoot them, you know, they want them eliminated. I'm reading here, and I, I, I can't believe I'm reading this. And so here's another thing for, for cryptid. If you're out there looking and you're in the woods, it's nighttime, it's dark, you don't know what you're looking at. A boar in 2007 was shot in Alabama, and it weighed 1,051 pounds. That's Hogzilla. That they is, call they call him Hogzilla. That is insanity. Yeah, I, <laughs> that was that was the name given to him in the hunting community, Hogzilla. The size of this thing next to this person. Yeah, that that boar could kill humans. And easy. then there are there are a couple of uh, hoaxes online too of boars that are like like. I don't know, like two stories tall hanging up. Well, that's that's but this one yeah. you can see is legit. There's a bunch of yeah. hunters standing around him. I've seen the hoax pictures too, but yeah, the hog hogzilla is a is an actual boar that was killed. That is on record as the biggest one killed in the United States. I wonder how many people go in the woods and they see this thing and they, you know, it's nighttime. You're, you know, fear plays a big factor when you have a chemical response to fear in the yeah. dark. Your your mind your your default to logic starts to fade away a little bit and sure. we and, start and they inter- do attack boars will attack yeah and you start entertaining your deepest darkest fears and then you could almost project that if you wanted to that's, that's yeah. how powerful the brain is but that being said you know think about it now if if let's say i'm i'm bigfoot uh, i'm a i could eat meat i could eat uh vegetation yeah i think it's doing okay out there in the world Oh yeah, there's definitely enough food out there for it, you know. And don't forget, we have uh, deer hanging in trees. You know how the hell they get up there, we don't know. Yeah, but I, I've come across parts of parts of deer hanging yeah, in trees myself. We definitely have don't have leopards here. There's definitely no uh, leopards. No, <laughs> no. Now we do, we do, we, we do know that there are mountain lions in places where they say they aren't. You know, we we right. know that that's that's a fact because the idea of saying that they aren't there is to prevent hunters and poachers from killing them. Well, here's you know. the thing with mountain lions. We are in, in their natural territories. We're take like in Florida, the Florida panther, for example. Yeah. There's so much real estate out there for humanity that they're running out of places to go. Yeah. And so naturally for them, instinctively, they're going to travel. They're either A, going to move into populated areas or B, they're going to travel across the country to find somewhere more. Rural yeah. They don't know it. boundaries. Uh, the game commission here says there's no. There are no mountain lions in Pennsylvania, but a, a mountain lion doesn't know what he's in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I assure you, you there know? are. I promise there are. Oh, wait, we know they are. We know there are. Um, I don't like to talk much about it because it is to prevent people from killing them, but uh, they're definitely here. I uh, my, my game cameras have caught 
of some pretty interesting pictures. Well, you listen, when you're in Pennsylvania and there's still a lot of wilderness there, a lot of like deer, their yeah. mountain lions aren't interested in you. You're not on the menu, especially no, they, they, their, their food supply is, is unbelievable here. I mean, they have no problem eating. Yeah. And, so, and the fact is that there isn't a lot of them here. Number one, you know, they're just, uh, we, we have a small population of them. Uh, not enough that they're even being noticed, but they're here. You know, there's, there's uh there's <laughs> leopards crossing up from, from Mexico. Yeah. They've been spotting them in parts of Texas, I believe. And uh, yeah, it's Animals the same thing. No boundaries and they will go where, where um, the food where is. The wind, well, yeah. They'll, they'll travel and go where food and water are, wherever they can survive. So here's another one. Here's a topic for you. I'll, I'll ask you about it. Um, sure. I, I don't know what to make of it. Chupacabra. Yeah. I'll chupacabra. What, what the, goat, it, the goat sucker. So I, I'm a little, here's what I, here's where I sit with that. It sounds to me by everything I've re- read that it's a mange wolf or dog. Well, there are two chupacabras. There is the Puerto Rican chupacabra and there is the Texas chupacabra. Why? I don't know. I mean, you think we would have gave the Texas one a different name, but uh, the Puerto Rican chupacabra is kind of alien looking. It stands on two feet, kind of like a, it's uh, kind of like a small kangaroo, a very small one, wallaby sized, but it has spikes on its back like um, iguana. And it has large eyes, claws, and we have many sightings of this in Puerto Rico. Now, when we get to Mexico, they're seeing the same type of thing. However, when you get into the United States, they call El Chupacabra what looks like a manged coyote. However, we have a lot of pictures of them, and they have different, there's different attributes about them that are different than coyotes. For instance, a longer snout, longer canines. Uh, there's just, and we have a lot of videos of these chupacabras. We even have a police video of one that a woman, a woman police officer took on her vehicle camera. Huh? I haven't seen that one yet. I have to look it up. Yeah. She follows it down a road and it turns sideways. And that's when you can see how long the snout is. And the canines are actually hanging over the lower jaw. Yeah. So I, it, I, it looks like a manged coyote until it turns its head. I used to watch this show a long time ago called uh, Monster Quest on um, yeah, History sure. Channel. They still and show reruns of Monster Quest from time to time. So on one of the episodes, they were talking about that chupacabra. And when I saw that image, to me, thousand percent, that was a, a mange wolf or a coyote or something, right? Uh-huh. Um, and then I start, and, you know, of course, that caught my attention. So I start reading more to learn what I can and by description, what you said earlier about the, the spikes on the back and, and the way it was standing. Yeah, that's the Puerto Rican one. So that makes me wonder. And, he, and I, I hate, you know, I'm not trying to. The you know. Puerto Rican one is quite bizarre, but there is there was a testing facility in Puerto Rico. That's what I was going to get to. Where they believe that this could have escaped from, where they did have, they know that, that they had animals there. That was, that's a fact. And they were doing tests on animals there. So is this some type of. Uh, hybrid animal is it some type of mutated animal uh we don't know well listen like i saw a video real video from science of a uh mouse with an ear on it oh yeah well that's how they're they're growing organs yeah they're growing so if they're going and and that's what they're telling us publicly that they had now imagine the screw-ups they're not going to talk about certainly so let's not understand that russia in the 50s tried to produce um an army of ape humans by breeding, they actually tried to breed humans and apes. Oh, my God. <laughs> they they inseminated women with, with uh, gorilla DNA, and they inseminated gorillas with human DNA. Let me read this to you. Let me get this up. Right when you said that, here it is. This is it? This is it. 
um, this person, I'm not going to say who it is, this person yeah. believes that Bigfoot is an experiment by mankind where they were breeding humans and apes. Well, we know that the Russians tried to do it. Um, I didn't know that, by the, the way. Project, yeah, the project <laughs> was shut down, and I believe the scientist that was, that was performing the experiments uh, fell out of graces uh, with Stalin. And I think something bad happened to him. I'd say <laughs> if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yep. Uh, he did. He didn't succeed in his mission. But uh, we know that this happened, that they did try to do this because it leaked out that they were trying to inseminate females with with gorilla DNA, with gorilla sperm. Yeah, I mean, someone asked me, like, well, if it's true and, and these things are made in a lab, what do you think it escaped? I'm like, well, you know. You think everyone in that facility was a scientist? There's maintenance people, and human, yeah. humans have this weird thing where, like, oh, I feel I'm well, going to set and that. If free. it is something the size of a bigfoot, why couldn't it escape? Well, yeah, <laughs> if it but, wanted to. But hypothetically you know? speaking, if it's in a facility, it's locked down with, with modern technology. I, I would yeah. have to assume that someone on the maintenance staff or someone that's not a, somebody that's not of science sees right. this thing and they're like, I'm going to save it. I'm going to rescue it. Or <laughs> flip side, how many people have these animal rights things inside of them? And their, their instinct is sure. to get jobs for in these places for the purpose sure. to release. Well, we them. know animal rights groups have a lot, have allowed uh, animals to, to escape. Yeah. So, I mean, that, I, that that's been, that's been documented. They've even let animals out that were diseased. <laughs> I think the government had like, let's say, the Chupacabra is an experiment. And what better place to do it in Puerto Rico? We, we, we overlook Puerto Rico, but there's not a lot of lost, you know, saying. Yeah, there, there's a lot do. of confusion in why the Texas is called El Chupacabra 2 when they look nothing alike and they're not alike. I, as, a, as a cryptozoologist, I wish whoever named it would have gave it a better name because they are two different. As a matter of fact, I sell T-shirts with, in my, with my company logo on. And on the backs, I have different cryptids you can buy. And I have two, both Chupacabras on. One says El Chupacabra Texas, one sells El Chupacabra, Puerto Rico. It has different fo- different pictures of them on the back. Huh. Because they're, because they're both, they're, they're two different cryptids. I've had to order a the couple same, of shirts from the you. Same name. Sure, sure. Yeah. I have Bigfoot. I have uh, the Dogman. I have Mothman. I have El Chupacabra. There's one I, I want to do. Let's dive into Mothman. I have been, I don't know what to make of that one. I saw the movie, I think it was <clears> Richard <throat> Gear. Yeah. And then at first I thought, you know, it's just a movie and they're going to take this thing and make it more fantastic. Then I read historically that bridge actually collapsed. Oh, sure. Yeah. Now, Mothman most recently has been sighted in Chicago, in the city of Chicago. There are videos you can look at online of Mothman up on it, up on these skyscrapers. So, I mean, what is it actually flying away too? actually taking off and flying away from a skyscraper? Are they just observing? Well, uh, Mothman at first it was believed, you know, they did they had a, a place called TNT down there in West Virginia, and it was where the military stored munitions uh during uh, back in the fifties and sixties. And that's where this Mothman was first sighted. So a lot of people believed that it was a government uh experiment gone wrong. I did read that. That didn't have something like an explosion or something like that, right? Yeah, you can go down and tour the place. Now, all, all that's left there are bunkers that they used to store the explosives in and, that, and some old buildings. Uh, and they do tours. You can go down there once a year, as a matter of fact, in around September 17th, they have the Mothman Festival in West, down there in West <laughs> Virginia. And it's incredible. The whole town of Point Pleasant shuts down. And uh, it's just incredible. The streets are filled and all the crypto celebrities are there. You know, I have to get myself a booth there one day. But uh, they have booths set up there, and everybody talks and sells their products, and it's a, it's quite a cryptozoological jamboree, actually. 
in in the world of crypto, what 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 do they believe the Mothman is? Um, I don't know. I'm not really into the Mothman too much. A lot of people think it's uh, paranormal, right? Uh, so if you watch the movie, it kind of seemed that way. And he's a he's a foreteller of disasters. You know, he lets you know when something bad's going to happen. He appears. People have seen him before disasters, such as the bridge collapsing. And uh, which was actually, matter of fact, not the anniversary of that was not too long ago. I think it was December 14th or something like that. The bridge collapsed. It was at the beginning of, of December. Yeah, it's got bridge collapsed. It's got a very demon-esque um, description and, and behavior to it. It's what it what I'm gathering. Yeah, from it. the first the first sightings of it came to a police station by teenagers who were making out out at the out at the TNT place, as they call it, the old the old munitions dump. Right. And they were making out out there and this thing chased them and it followed them when they were when they were driving down the road. They said they were doing 60 and it was flying alongside their car and they ran into the police department and told them and the police right away, you know, assumed it was a teenager hoax. But then more and more reports started flowing in about seeing this thing. And it was all in a small period of time that everybody saw it down there in Point Pleasant. And then after the bridge collapsed, the sightings ended for a long, long time before any more sightings occurred again. Huh. Well, I'm going to look more into that myself because um, yeah, Mothman is quite interesting. It's not something I'm actually um, looking for to think how I would find because he is very rare and he only makes rare appearances. <laughs> yeah, and it just yeah. it gives me a very demon ass kind of feel. I, I would almost think that it was it was. There, I forget the name of this movie, but there's this movie where where there was these observers and they were only there when tragedies happen and and very few yeah. and far in between. And I get yeah. that kind of vibe from it. Right. So yeah, that's what that's what they say about Mothman. He is a he is a foreteller of disaster. So let's move into what what studies you don't have, want to see him. In other words, <laughs> if you do, something bad's going to happen. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm I'm a little different. I run. I don't know. I got this bad habit of running towards <laughs> things I shouldn't run towards. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But with him, it's different because you you know you could it could mean death. That's <laughs> true. It's true. But I'll document it on the way. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, what studies have you done thus far? Probably more going to lean towards Bigfoot that that has given you some sort of feeling of this is it's real. Well, we naturally when I started out when I when I made the organization Cryptid Hunters North America, like I said, it was to start uh, getting my kids out, my grandkids and my nieces and nephews off their butts and out into the woods, and it worked. It worked so well, as a matter of fact, that I ended up speaking in, in front of children's groups like the Boy Scouts and stuff and taking kids out and, and getting out in the woods and teaching them about tracks, about noises. Basically, though, it's a lot about just having them be aware of the woods. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, more than finding a Bigfoot, they're very aware of the woods. We teach them about deer tracks and other tracks. But most of my studies have done, and I've traveled all up and down the East Coast primarily, because that's where I'm located. So I've done most of my studies between New York and Florida. And we did skunk ape studies down in Florida for about two weeks. We were down there. We did would actually, I do Bigfoot studies right here in Pennsylvania and Ohio. We go to Ohio a lot. And in New York, we did the, um, um, there's a Bigfoot up there that, that they, that they purport to see on the, up in the New York border toward the Indian reservation that we went up, gone up there and, and researched but primarily my most of my big most of my bigfoot research has yielded um some some pretty good uh results i have heard noises in the woods i have many recordings i have i have a lot of pr- tracks which are pretty interesting when you when you find a track in the middle of nowhere in the woods it's pretty pretty amazing 
especially when you know it's not a hoax, because when you go on these investigations, the number one thing that you come across are hoax and misidentifications, misidentifications being number one. It's somebody that saw something else and thought it was a Bigfoot. Number two is hoaxes. And then there's number three where it's just something you can't explain. And that's the interesting one. And I, I have quite a bit of it, um, of documentation on things like that. Yeah, and that's, that's the best part of it, the mystery, right? That's what keeps people hooked to it. Yeah, yeah. Every time I find another track or every time I record another strange sound in the woods that, that I can't identify, and I've made contacts with people at the university up here. We have a uh, offshoot campus of Penn State up here that I can go to where they analyze my sounds that I record, and they can tell compare them into this computer that has, like, every sound of every animal in North America or something in it, and and they'll tell me, we can't identify this. and. When you hear that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, people ask me um, when, you know, I, I get, I, here's how it works. People ask me questions I ask, um, and I kind of answer for them. They're like, how come we never found bones? Well, how many bare bones do you find? Yeah, I've hunted all, I've hunted since I was 12 years old, and I could count on one hand the amount of deer bones I found in the woods. Yeah, it's, you know? it's rare. Like, you know, my, oh, yeah. I cat, domestic cats. I noticed to, this is how I noticed to a certainty. We had a cat, um, Milo, and when at the end of its life, it left the house because it would, it would wander. Like, it would go out to the back door and wander. Well, anyway, one day it left, and it was pretty old at this point, and never came back. And yeah. I, I think that they go somewhere to die alone, yeah. right? And, and someone yeah. covered. You don't want to, the only time you see one in the middle of the street is if you got hit by a car. You right. You see them dying and look at all, where, where, where are our birds at? You know, yeah, it's true. Like where, where are like a lot of the creatures we, that we have die. thousands of sound birds, songbirds around us, and you don't just see them dropping dead and laying on the ground. I mean, you you do once in a while, but usually it's because of a cat killed it. Right, right, yeah, yeah. But, I don't, I don't think you could ever unless it was a killed, it was killed. Yeah, yeah you're you right. See a squirrel smashed on the on the road. You don't see the dead squirrels, and I got squirrels and rabbits all around me. Yeah, just that makes right me here curious. In the suburbs where I live. Where and, are where are these animals going when they perish? Well, if if you ever noticed when if you if you put a dead a, a carcass of a dead animal in a forest, it disappears so quick, especially in the summer. Right. It, it, I mean, it, it's incredible how the bugs just tear it apart, and then the critters that come and get it, and they scatter the bones to the winds. Look when they find a body of someone who's been missing, and they don't find the whole body. Yeah, they find true. A, they find a skull. That's you know, true. And a couple rib bones. Where'd the rest of the body go? You know, it's scattered to the winds, and you'll never find it. Ever. Michael, if I said, hey, here's $10 million to your Bigfoot study, how would yes. you spend that money? What would you do to, to go out there and find Bigfoot? Well, first of all, I'd, I'd, it, I'd, I would improve on my equipment that I have because, like I said, I started on a shoestring when we started this. And that was the idea, too. It was to get to get amateur cryptozoologists involved. Right. Instead of people watching these Bigfoot shows on TV, to get them actually to become a Bigfoot researcher themselves. That was the whole idea behind my organization. And, and one of the things we did was show people how to buy equipment on a cheap. And we did a lot of research and, and a lot of looking up to find the cheap equipment that was good. We had some hits and some misses until we finally come up with good night vision sites that weren't expensive, good hearing things that weren't expensive, you know. And I would definitely get the best equipment I could get, number one. Number two, I think I would go to uh, the Pacific Northwest up in Canada. Okay. Which would be the Southwest of Canada. (laughs) 
I, w- I would probably go up there, Prince Edward Island, places like that. You know, um, I would go to Vancouver, you know, uh, up in that area, because that is seems to be the even hotter spot for Bigfoot than than our own state of Washington and Oregon. Well, it seems to be, you know, again, a larger animal could handle the cold better. So it, it seems to be yeah. goes where we don't want to be. Plus, the, the natives, the natives up there really will help you with the stories they have. Uh, you know, their sightings are incredible. Just listening to them and, find, and finding out things from them up in Canada. I found that the Canadian natives are very, very interesting to listen to when you hear their stories about Bigfoot. Yeah, some of the Native American uh, things I've read, um, we're to blame why they migrated elsewhere, right? Man, yeah. Mankind came, we started knocking things down, and they recognized yeah. and they. I guess most animals, well, minus bears, because bears, you pull a, you pull a gun I have to bear. go back a minute and tell you the first thing I would probably do is pay somebody for a kidney because I yeah. need a kidney transplant. And without it, I won't, I can't spend time in the woods right now. That's what's, that's hurting my research right now because I'm on dialysis. Well, we, and yeah. That, that destroys my research time in the woods. I can only do one to two days at a time. Well, we're going to have to push get you a kidney. Yeah. I'm going to get you out there doing this. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, ever since my kidneys went, it's really, hurt my time. But this is why the organization comes in. I have uh, field investigators in 23 states down of the 50 states that, that have joined my organization that are, you know, that they, they, what they do is I, they get a card that says they're a field investigator to show when they knock on doors, they get a shirt that, you know, that says field investigator on it. And they get a book, um, the amateur guide to cryptozoology. And I send them out. If I get calls from something in their state, in their area, I call them and I send them out to do the interviews and the, and the research for me. Hmm. How many of those guys are like for our hunters and former military? Um, quite a few of them, actually. Yeah, I would have a actually, feeling because actually something actually a lot of them are my friends from the military because we because of because of uh, social media, I've been able to locate men that I served with. And we we get together every once every two years. We get together my and we have a reunion for my unit. And all those guys damn near joined. <laughs> they all wanted to be a member of the organization. And the rest are friends of mine that moved out of state, you know. And the other ones are ones that I meet when I do these shows. When I when I do these uh, creature shows, these Bigfoot seminars and that, and I set up a booth, I sign people up. And I give them a shirt. They get it for 20 bucks. They get a shirt. They get an ID card, you know, and they get, they get my advice, <laughs> my phone number to call 24-7. You know... It's got my curiosity now about, you know, I don't know. I, I think differently. I, I'm real like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire like 200 people. We're going to comb the woods. We're going to use this sophisticated equipment, come from both ends and, and have like a, like a, like a trap. But then, yeah. you think, but then you think that doesn't work now. Yeah. Because <laughs> one in my mind, it sounds great. But then when you really think about how large of an area that is, you're talking, yeah. you need like a million people from both sides you to just, hold hands. All you, all you have to do is research your site. Like the site reports I get, 90% of the sighting reports I get are, are loan sightings. People are alone when they see it. Yeah, that's They're, unfortunate. They are, they are alone. And it's not just Bigfoot when they see other weird things. You know, it's 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 alone. For instance, my, my uh, field investigation teams are, are no bigger than two people. I only send two out at a time, usually. Yeah, it draws me back to this again. I, I sadly, I think the first evidence of Bigfoot is going to be deceased, and I think it's going to be because a hunter's in a panic. Yeah, yeah. I have, did to have there, there was a story of a hunter that uh, it was. It's been televised too. That shot one, and then when he saw it, he was he shot a juvenile, 
And he was so scared that he buried it. And then he went back to get it after a couple of days and it was gone, which more than likely, if these Bigfoots are intelligent as we think they are, they took it. Yeah, they observed it. Now, one thing is we do not believe that they that they live in packs in colonies. We believe that they're nomads. The only time they cross paths basically is to breed and for the mother to raise the juveniles to uh, uh, to their adolescence. Because if they were in colonies, uh, I believe that that'd be a lot easier to find. Yeah, I would think so, so too. Uh, our belief is that they're nomads; that they constantly are on the move. They travel in order with the, for the food and water, and they uh, they probably have a migratory path that they may follow. But uh, the only time that they actually come in contact with males and females is for mating. So they're kind of like ba- they like, live in family units, kind of like bears. That's how bears uh, live. Yes, yeah, and, and pretty much all the other mammals in the woods. You know, that's yeah. pretty much. Most of them don't don't cohabitate. They uh, the men do their business and move on. Sounds and like the, us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More increasingly, more and more. Unfortunately, yeah. I so <coughs> I don't know if you remember. There was this this um, network called Spike TV some time ago. Yeah, and yes, I, I, it's it's still around. They changed the name of it though. It's it's um oh, I forget what it's it's one of the networks it's on now, but it. But it was was Spike and Spike changed its name. Yeah, did, didn't they have like they were? I think they're gonna have like a, like a contest or like a reward with some. I forget. I, I don't remember the exact number, but something with millions of dollars, maybe like ten million dollars of fine Bigfoot that they were yeah. gonna have like this contest. And I, I remember being excited about that. Like, well, that's good. Yeah, that's, well, it's not the first time though. There's been several over the years. There's been several rewards for Bigfoot. Um, uh, don't. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the guy. There was a there was a man that, that did circuses and stuff. That had a reward out for a gate. And then don't forget we had the uh we had the circus that said they had a hairy man frozen in ice. And it was examined and it was believed to be real, and then it disappeared. I remember reading about that. I do remember yeah. reading about that. Yeah. It was it was examined by Sanderson and Hubelmans, which are two of the greatest cryptos of all just ever to exist. Uh Bernard Hubelmans and um and Sanderson. These two guys were considered the, the they were actual scientists that became cryptozoologists. Huh. So they had credibility. Okay. Unfortunately, today scientists are think cryptozoology is a crock. It's a pseudoscience. For instance, I had to get my degree online. I couldn't go to a university to get well, it. you know, you need people to do cryptozoology to look, we could discover a new chipmunk tomorrow, and that would be fascinating. Well, right. Well, the first part of my studies was zoology. First, I had to study zoology before I got before I could become a, do- a doctor of cryptozoology. Right. Yeah, I mean, you you need people that we need people to explore the mysteries. Be, not listen. Not everyone wants to, or not everyone can go out there and do it. Yeah. Know? Unfortunately, right now with my kidney disease, I spend most of my time giving seminars and teaching than I do actually getting out in the woods and doing research. But I hope that will change. Uh, once I get a new kidney, here soon. Maybe I hope I'll get. I hope I'll get back out in the woods again to spend a few weeks out there. Yeah, here soon. Maybe here soon. You don't know. And you know, listen, an intelligent mind that that has the knowledge can influence many people and teach many people. It's it takes inspiration yeah. from one. It takes one yeah, person to inspire. If you can't a bunch. do teach right. <laughs> yeah, I mean if. If you don't, one can inspire many and many can go out there and search and you never know. That's how, that's how the chain of command works. And then somebody yeah. finds it and it goes right back up and to the My, my biggest reward is seeing the kids get out there. That's my biggest reward. I, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Most of my field investigators are adults. 
but I do have a, a lot of kids and, and a lot of the kids, uh, they, they, they just love listening to my, my, you know, my lectures when I give lectures and show, I bring all my equipment. I throw the equipment out on a table. I let them play with it. Let them look through the, through the heat vision, you know, and you're at a seminar and there's hundreds of people walking around at these shows and they're looking through the thing and looking at the, you know, the heat vision and it really gets them into it. So, yeah, speaking uh, that's of the my heat, biggest reward is seeing the children get out there and get off their butts and get in the woods. And that's a great thing. And I, I, I commend you for that. That's needed because uh, too many, too, I see too many people today. They're face down on a phone. Yeah, that was my grand. That was my grandchildren, and it just drove me nuts. Uh, so I just decided that if you tell a, a, a little boy you want to go outside, no, you say you want to go in the woods and hunt monsters. Hell yeah, pap! You know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. attention and, grabbed. <laughs> yeah, and really, it was just getting them out there more or less. And I didn't always take them places where I thought there were monsters or Bigfoot sightings or any other cryptid sightings. I just wanted to get them in the woods. But once you got them out there, just teaching them about the animals and scat, showing them scat and telling them what kind of scat this was and that was. Be, when they see you can identify that by footprints and scat and, and different signs, they they really start getting into it because they want Then you quiz them. You know, what's that? What kind of scat is that? You know? I saw a documentary. I'm, I'm looking it up now. Um, and it had a... It was all at nighttime in, in, in Africa. They were using... Uh, uh, I guess infrared cameras uh-huh. and you could see even small animals so far away, but then that's, oh, that, yeah. that's a wide open plane though. Right. It made right. me, I remember it's watching a lot that. harder in the forest of Pennsylvania and the United States because of the trees, uh, like these things get behind a tree and that's it. <laughs> you know, yeah, cause those trees are thick and they're ice cold. So it, it would, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Big Fort is notorious for many of our sightings peeking around a tree. A lot of people out, that's the extent of their sighting is they saw the hand and the face coming around the side of a tree and that's it. That's you know, the sighting, you know? That's exhibited in the ape world a lot too. Yeah. Peaking. They, they they like cover. Cover and concealment. First thing they teach you in the Marine Corps too. <laughs> you know, it would, <laughs> it bothers me because when I read this study on the, the mountain gorillas and it, and these guys discovered that when they did realize where they were and they, and they were like, oh, there they are. They were watching yeah. them the whole time. And then you have this yeah. other idea of like you're in the woods looking for Bigfoot and they're just watching you they're the watching whole time. You. Yeah, sure. I believe they always know when we're there, you know, but we don't know that they're there. I really hope that some network comes out or even some billionaire and he's like, here is $20 million for whoever finds Bigfoot and capture because you know with that kind of money on the i line, would be better off not having to reward money with having the money to facilitate finding bigfoot well you know that, that would that's what would help me out i, I get that but unfortunately you know how america works or bringing man. home proof of them anyway yeah and, like and i it, said i really don't want to kill one or capture one like if, but, that, uh, if i'd love to get some good footage of one and, and get some great dna you know because you know here's the thing about dna too and this is what gets me with the scientific community We've brought not my not just myself, but many cryptozoologists have brought in hair samples, skin samples, and they come back unknown. So doesn't that tell you that there's if you can't if it's unknown, then there is something out there you don't know what it is. Uh, am I am I not correct in that? I don't. No, I mean I agree. It could, it, but know, it could they be. They say, simple... well, this is hair from an unknown species. We yeah, can't identify it. Could be okay. A well, then that tells you that there's an unknown species out there. Yeah, I, I think there's. Uh, I, look, the more I watch documentaries, the more I learn about animals. The more I see how what there it's when you're seeing these documentaries and they're they're filming these these creatures. Uh-huh. They didn't just walk out and find them. They're looking, and then they you're, you're getting all the the cut footage, right? You're getting all the good oh, stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, you should see. 
yeah, I edit, I edit a lot of my tapes when I make them because I mean, you got to understand now with body cams and stuff, or I'm starting to get in wearing those. It's a lot better yeah. because now 90% of the time when you're moving around in the woods, the camera's not in your eye because you have to pay attention when you're in the woods. And if all of a sudden a Bigfoot would pop out and I'd see his face and my eyes would light up. By the time I get my camera up, he's going to be gone. If I could even think to get it up. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, why didn't you get a picture of it? Well, when you're startled by something like that, and it's not like he's going to stand there and do a dance for you. You know, he's not going to put on a show for you. He's right. going to disappear just like a deer or a squirrel or any other animal would when they see, you You know, you, you, you surprise a deer in the woods and what's he do? He takes off. Right. Right. You and know, it's the same. It's the same thing for the chance of you getting a good picture of it is, is slim to none, but these body cams now that, that are, that they're coming out are, are incredible. And, uh, I'm starting to think I want to start investing some money into these things because there are, you can leave it always on and it's always whatever you see, it's seeing, you know? Right. Or you could have a, there's a, a reacting button, right? You can hit a button, starts recording. Yeah. But that's the thing too, where you're going to think they hit that button, especially if you're uh, that, in that split second. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and if you're thinking of running the other way, <laughs> yeah, if you're, you're, if you're, if you get, you know, if you, something jumps out in front of you and you're thinking of boogieing, <laughs> we even have a camera that goes on the end of the barrel of a gun. That, that we've uh, found. I, listen, I've seen cameras on a pool cue. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not, yeah. it's not impossible. It's the quality of the camera now is under question, right? Right. right. Because right. Uh, if you listen to the episode I do with Douglas Wilson and MUFON, he's a, he, and he's Douglas Wilson and MUFON. He's, he's the uh, lead investigator for the United States. He's uh-huh. a great guy. I really, I, I admire him and I, I, I really envy his, his perspective and, and his approach. He really, he, he, it's, it's really the best one I could find is he's, he's a stickler for it. It's, it's gotta be the right camera. You can't right. just, cause digital cameras have this habit of, you know, it's, it's trying to create the image you're looking at. It's not actually yeah. looking at it. Right. So it would have to be a really good camera, like a really good quality right. video and camera. One thing about being in the forest is the light changes like with every step. You right. Take because of the overhead foliage and stuff. One minute there's sun shining through the next, for the next step. It's not, and you know you're, it's really hard for cameras to to adjust so quickly to that. Right. I don't know. Like I, I think you would definitely need really high end film fed cameras. Well, that's like I said. If I could, if somebody wanted to put up the money, I would rather have the money to buy the equipment than, than as a reward. Of course, I wouldn't mind the reward afterwards oh, when I course. found it. But, but <laughs> the, the right now, the equipment money would be the would be the the best. That's what I'd really, I really would enjoy if I could have the money to buy top-notch equipment. It's un- that would the, help me out a lot. Yeah, and, and the unfortunate part of that is that no one's going to fund that, right? What if you if you had someone create a twenty? No, million- because the scientific community right. will not acknowledge the right. existence of cryptids. But if you get a company out there that, for entertainment purposes, that say, "Here's a huge reward for any discovery of Bigfoot." Oh yeah. Do you, do you know how many people are going to be out there searching? Crazy yeah, and amounts. We, and, and you know what though? That's what we don't want. No. That just drives them. That would drive them so far away that it would have probably never have another sighting for another twenty years. Oh, you could have a point there. They would boogie so far, so far deep into Canadian wilderness, it would never see them again. Yeah, you it, know, the so, more disturbance you have by human, the more human disturbance you have, the less chance you're going to have of seeing them. They're going to they're going to disappear. So, from what I gather thus far, the the wisest thing to do is have a small group of guys, maybe six. Everyone has their expertise, and yeah. they would have to spend six months out there. And I would separate them. I wouldn't even put six in one in a group together. I would put six out there, but I would I would coordinate them so that they would be triangulated. Basically, I would still feel better about teams. So this way, the, the, the team is a two man team. Is all right, yeah. So like yeah, use. 
and single units are even better because like it just it's just like when I go hunting. If I have six guys walking through the woods, I'm not going to get a shot at a deer. But when I'm there by myself, I get a buck every year. You know? Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm looking at more like the uh, the sniper caller team, right? Yeah, yeah. Your sniper team is two men. You know, you, yeah. You have, you have your spotter and you have your sniper, and that's basically what we need. That's basically what. Yeah. You need. So this uh, guy's got one guy with a, with a sophisticated camera and another guy with a, with a spotting camera. Yeah, like like Patterson and Gimlin did. The one had the camera, the other one had the gun, just in case. We really. It was I, just two of the two of them went in there and they went back and don't and back where they went today. It's um, uh, civilization is encroached closer toward that area. Right. But back then they were really deep in the woods. They were really deep in when they when they uh, had this sighting and did this filming. I and mean, they were back in there on horses. That was the only way to get back there. Has there been now, more now sightings? Now you can walk back there. You can drive your car to a certain point, park it, and then walk back into where they did the filming. Where, had there been more sightings there since? There's been sightings in Willow Creek, yeah. Hmm. Well, the Willow Creek area has sightings uh, all the time. But one thing is that the, the, the area down there has created a tourist uh, attraction out yeah. of it. So, some most of the sightings we take with a grain of salt because they have to keep it alive down there to keep the tourists coming in. Well, it's got my curiosity. I'll say this much, um, Michael. Before we close out, is there anything you want to add or anything you want you want to? Uh... No, I just wanted to uh, make sure uh, on the next show I'd like to talk more about my organization and try yep. to get some field investigators out there from your listeners. Yeah, if anybody's interested, I'd like to uh, explain to them what we do and what I can and and how they can become a field investigator for cryptid hunters. Uh, my, I did want to have my wife on the show tonight uh, and talk a little bit about how I got her involved in it reluctantly and how she came around and started to enjoy it. Uh, I see she's up now. She's She uh, worked an overnight shift and she's very sick, but she's awake now. But my plan was to have her on the show tonight and do a little talking well, about what she had, about her experience with me and how I got her involved in it. Well, why do we, so the next time we do this, we'll talk, we'll have yeah. her come on with you straight out. Okay. Uh, if there's any investigators you want to bring on with you, well, you're welcome to bring them. And okay. uh, we'll, well go. One of the times I like to have one of my grandsons on, yeah. one of my grandchildren on, and they can tell you how you know they got interested in that. Yeah, see, uh, I would like, like to. I quiz them. Yeah. I quiz them all the time on different cryptids. Like I'll give them a description of a cryptid, and they have to name it. And I go through this with them every time they come to visit me. That you would know, be fun because that's the future, right? That's the future yeah. investigators. Yeah, like for the I'll say this cryptid is from West Virginia, and he flies. And they'll go Mothman, you know, and they, they they compete over who can answer quickest. That's great. I, I mean, it keeps them engaged, right? They're doing something that's not in the house, right? I, yeah, I like that. Yeah, sometime when like with like I said, when I can't travel much, we just go out in my backyard and we make Bigfoot calls. And they and they all practice making a different. Okay, now do a whoop, and they do whoops. You know, <laughs> now do a chatter, and they do a chatter, and we just have fun doing that. And I videotape them doing it, and they laugh and giggle, and we just have a good time. But uh, they're not looking at the TV or the or the phone. Yeah, and those are powerful memories, of Grandpa. Man, powerful. Yeah, unforgettable. Yeah, yeah that's true. They uh, my actually my grandchildren probably would know nothing about cryptozoology if not for me. But they're probably the most informed kids in their school on, <laughs> on the subject of cryptozoology. You never know; they might be the ones with their own show one day who, who actually find something. You don't yeah. know. You know. I mean, you, yeah. yeah. Especially as well, technology advances. I'm hoping one of them becomes rich so they can buy me equipment. <laughs> I got to, I got to get them in college. I imagine, I, I imagine with that kind of influence, they might be on the road that they might have that. If it's not Bigfoot, some, some yeah. species, uh, otherwise unknown to us. You never know. I need one of them to get a degree in zoology so that they would be respected. And, uh, and then they could do some studies in cryptozoology. Once they had, once they were a doctor of zoology, 
then maybe they would get some respect in the community. Agreed. Well, Michael, I enjoyed talking to you, man. We had a great conversation. I'm, and yeah, I know we're going to do yeah, it again. I'm glad we finally got things to work out good, Adam. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I feel like a professional here now. I can't wait till we do the video. Yep. Coming soon. Okay. All right, Michael. All right, then we'll make, but we're going to talk afterwards. Yep. Yep. We'll have some posts. Everyone, okay, good I'll night. Hang on. I'll hang on here. Thank you.